Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. So, so good to be in the house of the Lord. I love, I love Dwell Church. Uh, a lot of new faces today. Welcome. I see you guys right there. I talked to you before. I, I see a couple back there, kind of not on that back, 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 but uh, handsome couple, ha- beautiful couple. I would say handsome and beautiful. Uh, uh, let's see. I see others. I see other, our, my friends. Uh, so, so there's a couple here. They visited, and I'm, my, the name escapes me because there are so many names to grasp, but right here, you know, like Wolfman Jack here. Uh, tell me your names again. Randall and Angela. Oh, that's much better. Yes, that's Randall and Angela. Showed up a month or so ago, and we're like, this feels, they've been looking for a place, and, uh, and they're like, uh, God, I just need a sign that this is, this is home. And they look down on the floor and there's a white feather on the ground. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but I have been in services where I was with, uh, the first time I saw it was up in Chicago. It was, uh, 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 an evangelist was with us and feathers were just like everywhere. They were, you'd go to give an offering and inside the envelope, there were feathers People were like, go out in their cars and they'd go start the car. And I'm this one person, it was a BMW. They got in their car and there was a feather on the dashboard. Uh, then I was with, at a service with Bill Johnson in Las Vegas about 15 years ago. And uh, I led worship for about an hour and a half. And I finally just like, these people were crazy. I finally said, stop, sit down. And so, and then I went and sat on the front row by the worship pastor and a feather just kind of dropped down between us. And Bill was about five minutes into his sermon. He says, is that a feather? And I said, yeah. And he said, Psalm 91 says, and he will cover you with his feathers and hide you under the shadow of his wings. And when he said that for the next hour and a half, like snow flurries in the whole room, feathers. Now I can't explain that. I can't, I can't explain that. And, but sometimes his world breaks into our world. It's always been his heart. Uh, I don't know if you believe in angels. You ought to. Hey, Caleb. Good to see you. Uh, it is, it is uh, this, the awareness of angels. We don't worship angels, but it would be foolish to ignore their existence. And so uh, I actually have that little feather and a little card folded up in the green room over here. I'm saving it. Um, I've had about a dozen feathers just kind of randomly showing up for the last week at my house. And like Bill said, it's just a sign that makes you wonder. So uh, today, today uh, I'm going to talk to you. Uh, we're launching into a presence, people. Today, the title of my sermon is Practicing His Presence slash The Great Experiment. I'll try to break that down in a little bit. Uh, 
Did I leave my Bible over there? It's okay. It's okay. I've got it all right here. I just, yeah, bring it to me. Bring it to me. I brought my sword. Nicole actually bought me a Bible with bigger letters. So I've been using my, my phone and my iPad for, for years, for year, ever since we started. Uh, and uh, so Nicole ordered me a couple weeks ago a Bible with a large enough print that I can bring the actual sword in my hand. Although this is still carried in my hand, but I'm rambling. I'm going to read to you Psalms 27. Is it? It's, I'm sorry. I'm so Southern. I said Psalms. Psalm 27. And before I read this, Gracie, just come here and stand by me a second. If you can, can here, I'll hold your hand. She can do it on her own. Gracie, and, you know, we'll pray over her in a couple of weeks. I think uh, on the 31st will be her, uh, her last Sunday as a resident of Texas. She's moving to Nashville to go to the School of Ministry at Lyle Phillips Church at Legacy. And uh, there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth at the Binion house when she's gone because she brings so much to this house and I love you. And I just wanted to uh, uh, announce to everyone there, there's been a lot of speculation and, and a lot of prophetic words. And, and I think people have guessed it already, but I wanted to make an official announcement that she will be moving uh, on August 1st. Actually, I think we're gonna take off after church that day, the 31st, go back, go back. I love you, Grace. We honor the gift that's on her. I've been telling my friends in this last year, maybe year and a half, it's, it's, like, it's like watching Nicole become Nicole as Gracie has stepped into this, this, the mantle that's come upon her. She's she always had the gift but, uh, uh, and, and always has been anointed, but there has just been a deeper place. There's like her sword has gotten very sharp. And when she opens her mouth, the blade just slices through the darkness and it's powerful to watch. And maybe it's just me because I'm the dad, but that's what I see. Okay, so now I'm back. I promise you, Jim and Susan, uh, this is not gonna go long uh, because I wanna go to lunch <laughs> with you guys, all right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, told, uh, I told last week when... Uh, it's, it's the last couple of weeks, I said, there's, uh, there's uh, a, a slight difference between a long service and a hostage situation. <laughs> a fine line, a fine line. Today is, uh, it's not going to be crazy. I have something significant that I want to share. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited to start this series of services that we're going to, I don't know how long it's going to go. Uh, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be talking about the presence. This is what I live for. I have always been aware of the presence of God. Even in my earliest memories, I remember sitting on my dad's lap, his little chubby knee, his leg was sort of crossed, that as much as a chubby man can cross his legs. 
and I remember sitting on his knee, maybe two or three years old, and, and we had an evangelist. And a, my cousin had been in a car accident, and her leg had been crushed, and so it was now two or three inches shorter than the other leg. And I just remember sitting uh, on my dad's knee, watching her leg just grow out. And there was such an anointing in the room and the, the, and the evangelist wasn't even praying for her. He was just talking to the people and we just watched her leg go out. And I just, I remember just weeping as a toddler, aware of his presence. So I spent much of my childhood always aware of him. I, much, all of my childhood, always aware of him. But it wasn't until... Uh, I was about, you know, it, it's like I rode my daddy's coattail and my mama's coattail because they were praying people. They could shake a house with prayer. And, uh, but I was just always in the presence, aware of the presence because I was with them. But when I turned 15, we were in a service and I discovered uh, a doorway that I could access myself. And I started pursuing for myself, reaching for myself. And for, for about three months or so, I kept it a secret because I, you know, it's kind of like when you learn to, sh when you start shaving and you run to the bathroom when no one's around and you try to shave real quick and get done before your parents walk in and catch you shaving. Uh, that's the way I was. I was like, I'm pursuing his presence all by myself. And I remember I would, I, I would we'd be in a hotel somewhere and I would close the door in the bathroom and put my hands upon the door. And I would just, I remember standing there singing. And this is, it wasn't about what I was singing as much as it was the posture of my heart. Because I discovered his presence in a tangible way. And I remember my hands on the door and I just started singing. Oh, come let us adore him. Just a whisper in worship. And the weight of his presence would just almost knock me out there in the bathroom. I began to pursue him. I don't know if it's a good word. I became addicted to his presence. So it's my life. The places, the deep places, navigating in the presence of God has been my life. It's what I live for. Yeah, yeah. I promise I'm going to get to the scripture. In fact, I need to start because I have a lot of scripture to read. Mm -hmm. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, yeah. that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Yeah. Everybody say, all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. All the days of my life. One thing. Do we really know what it looks like to pursue him all 
the days of our life. We're used to coming and seeking him on Sunday and Wednesday. And those of us that come to morning prayer on Mondays and Friday afternoons. I'm going to read it again from the Passion Translation. Here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh. The one thing I seek above all else. This sentence grips me. I want to live with him every moment in his house. Beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh. Filled with awe. Delighting in his glory and grace. I want to contemplate in his temple. Last year, I discovered another translation. It's on uh, the Bible Gateway app. And the translation is called The Voice. This is how they wrote it. I am pleading. I am pleading with the eternal, capital E, for this one thing. My soul's desire to live with him all of my days in the shadow of his temple to behold his beauty and ponder his ways in the company of his people. Bill Johnson said, it's important that we all find the one thing that can become the reference point for the rest of the issues of our life. And that one thing is the presence of the almighty God resting upon us. So Nicole mentioned already, we started, when we moved into this building, the first sermon we preached together was, uh, we just felt this burden. How do we lead from here? How do we lead forward? And we, the word that the Lord gave us was that the way we lead forward is that we become a people of prayer, that we become a prophetic people, and that we be a presence people from the beginning from the foundation it's always been about prayer it's always been about his presence and we've lived in we we drive in this prophetic bus (laughs) we've we've lived we've been blessed with prophetic direction all of our life and so um We started in January and for four months, every Sunday, we taught on prayer and and the church began this journey of, it it was wonderful because now we have a building. It's hard to have prayer meetings when we're renting a hotel ballroom uh, and we can only have it one day a week, but now we have a building. And so we began every Monday morning I was trying to, I contemplated doing every day. I'm sorry I didn't land on every day, but every Monday at 6 a.m. we gather here and pray. 
Every Wednesday night, it's a prayer meeting. Every Friday at noon, we have a prayer meeting in this room. We've had more prayer in this room than we've had services. And so for four months, we talked about prayer. And then we started on Mother's Day, a prophetic people. I remember that first day when Nicole spoke that first Sunday on the prophetic, I came up at the end and I said, I believe that as we begin to cultivate the prophetic, that it will activate the prophetic in this house. And y'all have gone crazy with the prophetic. I have received so many prophetic texts. People just send me a message. This is what I hear the Lord saying. Different, different ones stepping into the grace that they carry as the, the spirit of prophecy. I don't know if they're uh, Bible prophets, you know, like the old timey. Uh, I don't know if there, there's one guy that comes. He's not here this morning. Uh, he, gets some, he gets some scary prophetic words. And, and then it was just extraordinary. We went through Father's Day and then we had Malik and Ashley uh, come the following Sunday and they prophesied to everybody in the room. Jim and Susan would have left before the end of that service. <laughs> uh, I'm... And so today we launch into the passion of my life. In him, we live and move and have our being in his presence, in his presence, in his presence. Psalm 139, verse 7. I've got it right here. This, this Bible didn't have a ribbon to mark places, so I've got little shreds of paper. I'm going to stick that in my pocket now as I cross them. Psalm 139, starting with verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Yeah. One songwriter said, if I make my bed in hell, you just tear the place apart to get to me because that's how much you love me. Yeah, yeah. Psalm 95, verse 2. Let us come, he's showing us how to do it. He's telling us, he's giving us instruction. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Yeah. We're all familiar with the hundredth Psalm. Enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. It, I think it's the third verse says, come before his presence with singing. He's telling us, if you want my presence, this is how you get there. You can't just do whatever you want to do. You have to do it my way. And I'm giving you instructions how to get to me, but this is how you do it. Psalm 97, verse 5. The mountains melt like 
wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. I like that. I like that. Listen to this. Exodus 33 Verses one through five, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought up from out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you. I wonder how many of us would be satisfied with the angel. And I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Go to the land I promised you. But I will not go up among you. Lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word... They mourned and no one put on his ornaments for the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Same chapter down to verse 15. I love Moses responds and he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. How shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. I prayed that very prayer in this room yesterday, here by myself. We did a a messianic worship service over at Gateway with Clay and Beth, what, three or four weeks? It was the first weekend of of July. And uh, so they gave us these prayer shawls. And I've seen people, I've seen people use them and I was like, eh, y'all are just, that's too much. You're just, y'all are ultra charismatic. You're putting that, you're just going. Uh, and so I never researched really what to do, but there are two of them sitting in my office and I was just in there studying and making notes and they're laying there on the desk. And I just felt compelled to pick one up and put it over my head come into this room, leave the lights off and just light the candles. And I got on my face right there with that covering my head. And I said, God, if you don't go with us, let's just lock the door and throw away the key. I don't know how long I was here on my face with my head covered. If somebody walked in on me, I'm sure I looked a little peculiar, but it just really didn't matter. I just, I just laid on the floor and I cried out for the people to dwell 
Let us be a people that host your presence. Let us be a people God, I'm not interested in drawing big crowds, but I believe they'll come. What I want is big presence. Big presence, big presence. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E for Carson, not big presence like we get at Christmas. But Lord, I could give you, I could tell you some stories about big presence. I think that's what was happening when the feathers, it was like there was another world breaking in, pushing in. Uh, I went to London for a conference and uh, Nicole wasn't with me. I think she was pregnant with one of our kids, Gracie. You were pregnant with Gracie when I went to London. And uh, so I'm leading worship. I'm with Tommy Taney. He's going to speak that night. And so I'm leading worship and it is the craziest, powerful throng of worship and probably another hour and a half or so leading worship and I finally just like I just I knew I had to stop because this is a conference there are a lot of speakers and and Tommy is supposed to speak that night and there's just this roar of worship in the room and I just kind of I stopped and I stepped over and I looked to the musicians and dismissed them and they stepped off the stage and there's one of these little uh, monitors on the floor over on the side and I was over there standing by the speaker and I step over and the people will not stop the musicians have stopped left the stage but the, the congregation are in a roar uh, I, I don't even there was just like there was no controlling that's like the, the, the congregation became the worship leader there's this roar and, and there, you know, I looked, I'm watching them and my hands are up here and I'm just standing by the speaker and I'm worshiping and, and I, there's just the sound, the velocity of worship, the, the weight, the big presence was just crazy, crazy in the room. And I, I'm standing by that speaker. Then all of a sudden, I hear bagpipes start playing over the speaker. And these people, their eyes are closed. They're ah! just the most Pentecostal you've ever seen anybody be. Uh, charismatic, just just energetic. But their eyes are closed, and there's this zeal and this roar. And, and the bagpipes start playing. And then there's like, it kind of takes on a rhythm. It's like a, a cadence. And then, and I open my eyes and I, I'm, I'm thinking the keyboard player came up and picked a sound on the keyboard and he's created this bagpipe sound. And I looked over to just nod and acknowledge, yeah, that's a good move and there's nobody there. Yeah. And 
the bagpipes are playing, and I look back at the soundboard, and the sound man goes. <laughs> and the people are clueless. They don't even know. And then, then, then a drum starts, like a, a, a marching drum starts playing with the bagpipe. <laughs> and then it's just this. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but do it, do it, do it. Then there's about in the middle of the building, there's a big chunk of ceiling that starts you know, like white powdery stuff starts dropping in. There's, there's, it's big. They were bigger than these pieces. They were larger and I hadn't seen it like that before, but they just started breaking some plaster looking things. And it does. So there's a little lull in, in, because people are, something's falling on them and these ushers run and they grab that piece of plaster and they move it out of the wires and they carry it out well while that's happening the pastor ran over just like this room ran over to where his office was and he came running up at this point tommy has stepped up to preach but he's waiting for the noise to subside and the pastor brings up this piece of paper and the woman that spoke the night before prophesied that on this night god was going to take the roof off of the place And I'm like, I'm just like, oh, God, I've never seen it like this before. I've seen a lot. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen cancer just dry up and fall off of people. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen the hand of God upon his people. I've seen this, but I've never encountered the bigness of his presence. Tommy's just standing here, never preached a word that night. After about, it gets now, this, there's just this roar and this other music, otherworldly music breaking into our world. The kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. We, we, we're, we're experiencing a bit of heaven on earth. So he's just standing at the pulpit. The only, then at 11 o'clock, 11 p.m., all of a sudden, it was like a vacuum sucked all the noise out of the room. You could almost feel it like a whoosh. Nobody moved. Nobody made a noise, not even the children. The only sign of life in the room were the tears streaming down people's faces. And for an hour... We stood there in silence. Finally, at midnight, the pastor came up and took the microphone from Tommy because evidently he wasn't going to use it. (laughs) And he said, he whispered something to Tommy, and then on the microphone he said, we're going to release you. Please don't talk. Conversation, please. And when we gather in the morning session, we'll try to explain to you what just happened. Big presence. Big doesn't necessarily mean loud. Sometimes it's 
silence. I wasn't going to say all of that. So, babe, I don't remember who... Oh, it was on, it was on Theosu. They talked about the practice in his presence. There was, uh, yeah, Jude Fuquay was talking about practice in his presence and you ordered the book. So I've been like, it's a little small book and it's a compilation of writings from two men, one's name, they call him Brother Lawrence. That's what it says on the book. It says by Brother Lawrence. They don't even say a first name. They tell you inside. But on the book, it says Brother Lawrence. And then there's Frank Labach. I think that's how you say his name. Brother Lawrence lived in the 1600s. And Brother Frank was in the early 1900s. And they both individually on separate occasions decided to experiment. What would it be like if I could bring him into every hour of the day? What if one minute, what the first minute of every hour that I'm awake, that I bring him and acknowledge him, whatever I'm doing, I don't have to stop living life, but I bring him into my mind. What, what if that grew to five minutes, the first five minutes of every hour, I could bring him in and acknowledge him and pray. I could just be driving to work and say, Lord, I pray that you will bless my work today. It's just bringing him into it, that everything you do, you bring him into it. So I've been practicing all week. Turns out it can be done. So these two men began to experience an abiding presence in their individual lives. This is one of the, a paragraph from the book. The most important discovery of my whole life is that one can take a little rough cabin and transform it into a palace just by flooding it with God. When one has spent many months in a little house like this in daily Thoughts about God, the very entering of the house, the very sight of it as one approaches starts associations which set the heart tingling and the mind flowing. I've been feeling that way. I'm like, God... Every time I pull up to this building, I reflect on what you just did on the previous service. And my heart jumps. So much that I I find myself coming in here. You know, I had that thing over my head that, and and I got the, the, 
the lighter and I'm lighting these candles and all the lights are out. And there's just this sense of an abiding presence in the room. And, and it just pulls me to the floor. And I, uh, can that happen? Can that happen to a group of people in this house? I'm going to read it again. And I want you to see. This building, Every, I, sometimes I come up and pull in the back and I've walked over and touched the brick on the back and say, God, thank you for this place. Thank you for a place that we can come any hour of the day and worship or pray or just contemplate in the house of the Lord. The most, here I'm going to read it again, the most important discovery of my whole life is that one can take a little building and transform it into a palace just by flooding it with God. Daily thoughts. Psalm 91, verses 1 through 9. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence, COVID, that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because... This is it because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. There was a guest on a Christian network this week, uh, a man who was an atheist And uh, he died. He was dead for four hours. And he was descending into dark places. And they were just levels and levels. But there was, he saw a figure dressed in white. He didn't see his face. But he heard the voice of the figure say, just use my name. So he'd go to places and he would see people in torment and he would say, oh, Jesus. And, and there would be just kind of like uh, what he felt closing in would kind of retract. And then he would go to another level and he would see more and he would just say, Jesus. And now here's an atheist. He doesn't even believe in Jesus, but he's using the name because that's what he said. And he finally gets to this place and a dark figure somehow pulls him and he's going into this dark, dark place towards the door. And suddenly... From behind him, the man in white comes and wraps his arms around him. And in a second, demons didn't just shriek and flee. They disintegrated. 
in the presence of the man. And then he woke up and they were working on him in the emergency room. The power of his presence. It's important. We, we, we saw some deliverance around here a couple weeks ago. We, we're, we, and and it, I believe we're going to see more and more. But the reality is warfare that we step into is not a reaction. We, we don't react to some kind of demonic intimidation. We just simply step into the bigness of his presence. And let him arise and his enemies scatter. I remember in my discovery of his presence when I was 15, my dad sent me up. We, had a, we traveled in a Greyhound bus. And so it was parked up on this hill. And he needed something from the bus. And so I step out and it's pitch black. There are no street lights. And I'm walking and I have this sense of evil. Like, it just kind of like, I felt like I was surrounded by some demonic spirits. And, and it occurred to me as I had been practicing his presence to practice it again. And I'm just walking up this hill and I just started singing. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. And it was just like this disintegration of the evil attack occurred. And I stepped upon that bus. I felt like a soldier to worship you oh my soul I don't even remember what he sent me to get but I got it and I walked down worshiping I never told anybody till I was an adult because it felt silly but I did it and it worked Catherine Kuhlman says his presence (laughs) she put those flowy (laughs) sleeves and her pointy fingers she looks kind of scary his presence is not just a theory. It is a fact. His presence is a reality. It's not an ideology. It's irresistible, tangible, powerful. But we must awaken to this purpose. There is no greater privilege than being a host to God himself. Neither is there greater responsibility. Everything about him is extreme. He is overwhelmingly good awe-inspiring to the max and frighteningly wonderful in every possible way. He is powerful, yet gentle, both aggressive and subtle and perfect while embracing us in the midst of our imperfection. Yet few or aware of the assignment to host him. Even fewer have said yes. The idea of hosting God may seem strange. He owns everything, including us. 
our own bodies. And he certainly doesn't need our permission to go somewhere or do anything. He is God. But he made the earth for humanity and he put things under our charge. If you were renting a home from me, I wouldn't walk into your home without an invitation or at least without permission. You'd never see me in your kitchen, in your fridge, making a sandwich, taking food, cooking a meal for myself. Why? Even though it's my house, it's under your charge or stewardship. There may be landlords that would violate that protocol, but God is not one of them. He planted us here with the purpose, yet it's a purpose we can't accomplish without him. Our true nature and personality will never come to fullness apart from his manifest presence. Learning to host him is at the center of our assignment. It's got to become our focus so that we can have the success that he desires for us. In one moment, we find ourselves rejoicing in the dance, arms raised with heads lifted high. And the next, we are bowed low, not because someone suggested it as an appropriate response, but because the fear of God had filled the room. In one moment... Our mouths are filled with laughter because we have fully discovered in his presence there is fullness of joy. In the next, we find ourselves weeping for no apparent reason. Such is the walk with God. Such is the life of the one who has given himself to host the one. Michael Koulianos from Jesus Image posted a video and he quoted this with a video. He said, a generation needs to know his presence. He said, this past Sunday, the wonderful glory of Jesus filled the house. Tears Deep repentance, joy, and worship went on for hours. The tears flowed from the deepest places of our hearts. Jesus is preparing his bride. She is making herself ready. I believe that God is looking for the proper response. We must not miss him. Such a season may never come again. So let's come ready, ready to adore him, to sit at his feet and hear his word. Jesus, make us a Bethany. Dwell among us. We love you and long for you. Come, Lord Jesus. Musicians can come. I'm going to 
land. Practicing his presence. The great experiment. This is, this is how I want to end the service. This is how I want to throw out the invitation. Teachers in colleges or universities require students to attend classes 25 hours a week for three years. Could competent teachers prepare competent lawyers if they studied only 10 minutes a week? Neither can we fully understand his presence by worshiping 20 minutes on Sunday and maybe humming a few things throughout the week. Jesus said to his disciples, come with me, walk with me, eat and sleep with me 24 hours a day for three years. That was their college course. He chose them that they might be with him. 168 hours a week. (laughs) How can a man or a woman do this? Try to bring Christ in their mind at least one second of every minute of the day. You don't have to forget other things or stop your work, but you invite him to share everything you do or say or think. Is that possible? How about one minute of every hour? How about five minutes of every hour, of every waking hour? It's no harder to learn this new habit than it is to learn how to type. Now, I have to, I, I type pretty fast, but I have to keep my eyes on the keyboard. I haven't perfected. But my son, Cole, he types just as, it just, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about how Emily at staff, she has got those little clicking going. And she's engaged in conversation with us. She's talking to us and typing at the same time. And she's aware of what we're discussing at staff. And her fingers are just, she has learned to function. She's learned how to multitask. I suggest to you that you can learn to bring him into every piece, every part of your life. That's why David wrote, in all your ways, in all my ways, I will acknowledge him. That's why Paul said, pray without ceasing. Can you really do that? I say yes. We have to realize that our purpose draws us away from voyeurism into visitation. I'm going to talk about that next week. Next week, I'm going to talk about voyeurism or visitation. Here's the deal. Do you want to come and watch us burn? Or do you want to burn with us? (laughs) 
do you get a thrill out of just watching? Close enough to feel the breeze of the wind of his spirit, to get goosebumps, and, but I'll just, I'm comfortable back here. And you, how about jumping in and burning with us? Adam was instructed to tend the garden and subdue the earth. The implication is there was already chaos on this planet. Satan was already on this planet when God said, let there be. And, and he created this place of fellowship in a world of chaos. And then he instructs Adam to subdue the earth. His intention was to expand the influence of the garden. That's still his desire for his people to expand the influence of dwell church that what happens here doesn't just happen here that we expand the influence and then when we're at the restaurant having lunch today with Jim and Susan that perhaps the waiter or someone at another table sees something on us and we may not even have a conversation but they see a light shining on someone but how many of us are guilty instead walking in and treating the waiter rude and never tipping or having an argument with your spouse I remember I was in the mall with Gracie several years ago when we were still at Covenant Church and she's wanting to get something and I told her before I went in the store we're not getting another thing and she's standing up there, but dad, I want to get this nice. I'm, I'm just letting her have it. Gracie, I told you before we came in here, somebody saw me talking to my daughter and went to Pastor Kathy and said, I just want you to know, Pastor David, he was just being so rude in the store. And I'm just like, where are they? Let me get them. <laughs> but I must say, you, 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 there are, different ways to skin a cat uh, and, and people are watching you have an opportunity to, to display and walk in and host the presence of God even when you have to chastise your children you can still demonstrate the presence of God Gracie do you even remember that it happened all the time Okay, I'm just going to stop. This is, this is the challenge. This is the great experiment. Who will join me in committing at least the first minute of every hour that you're awake, the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning before you even consider brushing your teeth, and God knows you probably need to really quick, but even as you step towards the bathroom to brush your teeth, you can whisper a prayer, God, I bring you into, I bring you into my bad breath. I, God, God I, I acknowledge you this morning. May you be the first 
thought on my mind that, that I pursue you and invite you into my life. Maybe you need to set, maybe you need to go through your phone today and set an alarm every hour of the day so that when it goes off, you're like, and it doesn't have to be, I'm not asking for Larry Lee to lead you in an hour of prayer. I'm asking you to bring him into your everyday experience, whatever you're doing that you could say. Maybe, here's what I predict. This is what I prophesy. Once you pursue him and the wind of God begins to blow in your bathroom and you're like, suddenly you're aware of him that your one minute turns into five minutes until you're, uh, this is it. This is, this is the experiment. I want to take the next 30 days and as many people will join me, will say, I will take the first minute. I'll take the first five minutes. I, I will let it grow, but I'm going to start with the minute and all of us doing the same thing as a people after his presence that we will bring him. And then when we gather, when we enter his gates, there's thanksgiving in our heart because we cultivated that all week. We didn't have to wait to get to the third song for the worship team to lead us and work us up to this place. Oh, now I feel thankful. No, you live at a place of thanksgiving because you bring him into your experience. You bring him into your carpool ride. You bring him into your, your, your journey into the city, to the mall. When you walk into Nordstrom uh, to buy a new white shirt, you say, God, I thank you for this gift card. <laughs> what, whatever, it, whatever it is, there are ways to bring him. And you just, it's like sitting at the typewriter. I can do this. God, I drove to church this morning under my breath. I don't even know what to say, but I'm just going to pray in my spirit language. Uh, God, I'm looking to, I'm looking to you. I remember one trip I've told you here before from, I was driving from San Diego to Los Angeles. It's a two and a half hour drive. And I had a, a divine vision the entire drive. And I don't even know how I got there, but I was able to type and see and drive all at the same time. So this is my invitation. It's 1158. I just want to know who's going to join me. You can come to the front. You can get on your knees. I don't, I don't know what you're going to do, but it requires some kind of step that you're going to say, I am going to become one with this vision. I am going to pursue uh, bringing Christ into every minute, every hour of my life that I'm awake. And then it'll be so, uh, so, so encompassing that even when you fall asleep, you'll dream about him. You'll be so consumed with him while you're awake that your dream life will be invaded with him so that you're also bringing him into your dreams. You're bringing him into your experience that you're sleeping and you will rest like you never rested before. There'll be no more tormenting dreams. So God, we as a people, we as a people of presence, make this commitment to bring you into our lives. God, so much that we will just accidentally stumble into leading people to you. 
outside of the church that we'll find people that they'll say what what is it about you and you'll have an opportunity to witness and and lead somebody into the kingdom and then bring them we want growth we want growth not so that we can boast about numbers we want growth so that we can be like adam so that we can subdue so that we can expand our reach of more of his presence not more people but more of his presence know ye not that your body is the temple of the holy spirit so wherever wherever you are he is host him host him turn your eyes to jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace god we are a people of your presence we pursue you we make this commitment lord i thank you for what's happening in this house i thank you for the momentum i thank you for what is stirring in our hearts i thank you for revival it's not coming it's already here it's already in the earth and we acknowledge you we acknowledge you lord this is what we commit to this is what we say this is what we will do to the best of our ability every waking hour we will bring you into it we will dwell we will we will find uh, your word we'll hear your voice but more than anything we'll just become more aware of you we pray this in the name of jesus this is the great experiment what might happen in 30 days this is july 17th august 15th will be the end of 30 days commit and know that up until august the 15th you're bringing him in to every hour to every hour of your life every hour the first thing you think about when you wake up is him the last thing you think about before you fall asleep is him let's see what god might do with the people who pursue him in 30 days like we've never pursued as one as one goal one heart one mind what might happen with the great experiment of practicing his presence the end thank you for joining us today at the dwell church podcast for more information about dwell church visit us at dwell.church